0: Du lyssnar på en podcast från Storentrad 98,9. Alla våra poddar och program hittar du på studentradion.com eller där poddar finns.
1: many. Show show show. Du tycker Det det
0: to Radio UF at Strand Radio Nicommania. My name is Melker Hörner and uh, we are talking about something that affects a lot of our lives even if we don't think about it that much. We have an interesting metaphor for that coming up in a couple <laughs> of minutes. but we are talking about oceans and the reason for this is because our radio I mean UF Uppsala, their magazine, Uttryck is having a theme issue about the oceans. And as I said, my name is Melker Hörner. I study peace and conflict research, and I'm going to talk about piracy. And I have three other people with me in the studio right now. Please introduce yourself.
2: Hi, my name is Melina
1: Froidyur. I study Humanitarian Action. Yeah, I am Louis Linkvist, and I also study peace and conflict studies.
3: And my name is Christian al Uh I'm not a student anymore, but I studied Electroengineering, and I'm currently working.
0: Wonderful, welcome to the show and uh, for any of you listening from the Uppsala pub O'Connor's I hope that you are enjoying your beers and we'll be right back after this short music break. You just heard Addictive slash Predictive by TDJ and we are talking about oceans at Student Radio 98.9 and Melina what do you think about when you hear the word oceans?
2: Yeah, well, you know, when I hear oceans, the first thing that comes to mind is actually not like clear blue water or like coral reefs or even surfing. And God knows how much I love surfing. (laughs) But no, what immediately came to mind was a radio newsflash because, you know, I think I like the radio even more than I love surfing and God knows how much I love surfing but um yeah no so what actually came to mind was something like you know a news bulletin like oh um military exercises and like growing tensions in the south china sea disputed islands and their coveted exclusive economic zones or something like that and the funny thing is that what gave me the final idea what i wanted to write for Utric magazine was also a radio news bulletin so i think i owe a lot to <laughs> <laughs> the radio but um you might be wondering you know what was that radio flash saying i am uh, actively trying to build suspense here <laughs> and so yeah the news bulletin was reporting on how tonga was recovering from the tsunami that devastated the archipelago in late January and how humanitarian aid was being organized. And what I found really interesting was that, first of all, COVID complicated the relief operations and it forced the international community as well as uh, local authorities to come up with what was called um, contactless humanitarian aid delivery. Mm. And it was a bit of a first in the history of uh, humanitarian action. But what perhaps caught my attention even more was that several powers were actually competing to deliver aid the fastest to Tonga. There was like China, Australia, Japan, New Zealand, even the US involved. And, you know, I knew that humanitarian action or development aid are often instrumentalized for broader political purposes. But um, I was asking myself, you know, what was at play here on such a small archipelago? So... um, what seems to be at play is that small pacific island states in general are very much courted by the bigger neighbors but also regional as well as global powers because they have oftentimes huge fishing reserves natural resources for some of them um for those who don't have that they can be you know interesting for geostrategic purposes for like military bases and so exactly. on exactly and um yeah there's a security concept called the island chains theory that states that islands are very important in affirming or protecting an actor's presence within a certain space because it links the land masses together. Mm -hmm. And we can totally see that in the case of Tonga, because it's located in a major maritime corridor, you know, the center of um, gravity of the global economy has shifted from the Atlantic to the so-called Indo-Pacific which is emerging as a hub for global trade and energy supply. And China seems to really have its eyes on, um, on Tonga. And a lot of actors in the region are worried about that, you know. Not only China's influence on Tonga, but just its rising influence in the so-called um, Indo-Pacific. But what I found very like, thought-provoking was that in 2018, the Pacific Island Forum which is basically um, yeah, a forum that brings all the small pacific island states together this forum affirmed that actually the single greatest security threat in the region was not china but climate change
0: yeah and uh, you'll find that that's a that's a little bit of a pattern that we'll get back to in this episode there are that was Voices by Nati And uh, we are Radio UF and uh, speaking about the oceans. Uh, Louise, would you like to talk about what you've been writing about?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I wrote an article about the Northeast Passage. And many of you might wonder what is the Northeast Passage because not, not a lot of people has heard about it. But essentially it's a trade route by sea going from like mainly going north of Russia. So for example, you could go from Rotterdam to Kyoto without crossing the Suez Canal. You can just go via the Arctic. And this trade route is gaining a lot of importance today as the ice is melting. Um, One of the benefits with the Northeast Passage is that it reduces the time. So for example, if you're going from Rotterdam to Kyoto, you will be able to travel that distance in two weeks shorter time than if you were to go via the Suez Canal and this is although is quite expensive and quite difficult going via the Arctic as there still is a lot of ice however the fact that the ice is melting as I mentioned does make this trade route gain a lot of importance and this is something that has made the whole area of the Arctic a lot more important so there's an There's an example that kind of illustrates what the Northeast Passage does. And this is the Arctic Railway, which is a planned or it was a planned railway between Rovaniemi and Kirkenes, which is essentially Finland wants to gain access to the Arctic Ocean, which it doesn't have in, in order to boost their economy, especially in the northern parts of the country. This project has gained a lot of criticism as the railway would pass reindeer herding areas, and as a consequence of this, they kind of laid down the whole project. But yeah. Peter Vesterback, the he's a multimillionaire, kind of the Finnish Elon Musk, mm-hmm. uh, has tried to awaken this project again by...
0: Oh, sorry. I accidentally <laughs> hit the mic.
1: <laughs> no worries. By kind of inviting investors from China and the EU, which kind of brings up the debate about economic growth and uh, human rights.
0: Yeah, because um, the thing about the railroad, it was going to cross through Sami territory, right? Yes. So indigenous population of Northern Europe. And you told me a little bit about this earlier, but this Elon Musk type fellow, apparently he knows a lot of people (laughs) or whatever he said, that he sorted it out?
1: Yeah, he has told newspapers, et cetera, cetera, that he has spoken with, like, Sami people. And apparently they say that it's okay, but he doesn't name any people. And no Sami person or, like, leader has come out and told the media that he has spoken to them. So it all seems a bit shady.
0: Yeah, totally. And we can tie it back to climate change because, um, once again, we see that oceans are more important than that we give them credit for. Moving on. That was Let Me Breathe by Sophie Myers, and we are at Student Radio and Radio UF, and we are, as you know, talking about oceans, and we are going to move on to um, something more uh, palatable, wouldn't you say?
3: Yeah, definitely. So when I first started researching this topic, I thought, like, ocean, that's such a big topic, and it can divulge into different kind of branches. So I started Googling actually just ocean problems. And uh, I came into a very interesting topic, which I'll bring in later on. But one important aspect of the ocean is its huge amount of capability to bring food and also be a very good carbon sink for CO2. So today I'm going to speak a little bit about industrial or commercial industrial fishing and some other branching to that topic. One thing about the industry of fishing is that it's very, very huge. From 2007, the commercial value of it was at around $240 billion and is expected to 2026 to rise to almost $440 billion. So it's quite a huge uh, industry. But one of the thing about it is that moving from numbers to real, actual thing is that I read uh, from a researcher from National Geographic and he wanted to see like how much of the ocean area is covered with this fishing. So they looked on satellite data and saw that over 55% of the ocean is covered by industrial fishing. So it's a lot of big issues, but when we think about it, what what, what kind of impact does it do on the ocean and on the, and on the environment? And the biggest problem with that is the, the concept of thralling. So what that means is that you put big nets you throw them in the ocean, and you let them sink to the ground floor of the ocean, and then you just scoop up all the fish. So that proposes a lot of issues to the ocean because it damages the ecosystem. And UN is actually estimating that 95% of uh, the ocean problems that we have today is because of the concept of thralling. Mm -hmm. And the solution to that, or semi-solution, is aqua farming. What we do with aqua farming is basically do farms. We notice maybe here in Sweden, we, in, in the Norwegian, that we they farm salmon. And that is solving the problem, but also introducing problems by itself. So one other thing is that when you farm for a certain kind of fish, you you get feces from the fish, you get dead fish, you get uneaten food, you introduce antibiotics and other kinds of drugs. And you destroy locally this farm, the ecosystem of the ocean. So sure, it solves the issue with this thralling, but at the same time, it introduces its own problems. So the solution to this, which is my main topic, which I read about is regenerative ocean farms. So regenerative ocean farms, uh, the basic concept about it is that you make you use the same concept as aqua farming but instead you farm seashells and uh, kelp which is a kind of a sea or a different kind of seaweed and the purpose of this is that it's no maintenance so you don't feed it you don't put any antibiotics or any kind of other substance uh, substance to it the great thing about it is that it remove or sink or suck in carbon dioxide. It removed nitri- nitrous oxygen which uh, is harmful for the ocean and it's a lot of like good aspects about it because there's no work related to it. Uh, yeah it's passive. Yeah exactly so so, so there's no like actively you have to send out someone to, to keep tending the farm or doing it. You just put your net uh, with the kelp and you put uh, these cages for the mussels and the sh- shellfish. But the problem with it is that the com- commercialization with it—it's such a low scale. It's only available right now from a, a nonprofit company in the U.S., and at the same time, there is one in Denmark. So the commercialization of it is ramping up very, very slow. So we still don't know what this project will end up uh, looking at.
0: Yeah, we'll see how it is, uh, how it's how the ocean responds when it's applied on a larger scale.
3: Yeah, definitely.
0: You just heard Happy Ending by Jelly Crystal and Alice Boman. And we are Radio UF at Student Ragnar 98.9. We are hyping up Uttryck magazine who's going to release an episode on, or uh, release a magazine on oceans. And speaking about the oceans, I of course went to the peace and conflict aspect of it. So I find it very interesting, the modern idea of what piracy is. Because although it's not as big of an issue as it was in 2011, it's still very perverse, uh, perversive. Um, it's a lot of it. Yeah, that's the word. But it's, uh, it's still very much focused on areas where there are less socioeconomic opportunities. And around half of all the attacks in 2021 uh, happened in the Gulf of Guinea. Of, uh, the Gulf of Guinea. And we also see that it's very common with piracy in the five countries, Somalia, Bangladesh, Indonesia, Malaysia, and it's um, nearly 70% of all of this is, I was supposed to say 70 incidents there. Oh well, but uh, we still see a decrease. And um, the thing that we see is that, um, the thing that makes it hard to counter modern piracy is um, nautical borders. And it's a very complex context. complex thing to talk about since it's based on actually a cannon shot because the nautical borders extend from about three nautical miles out to the sea and that was about how long you could fire a cannon shot uh, in the 17th century and it's still kind of what we base it on but today with islands and countries it's less easy to have a clear-cut border and that is actually very often a source of conflict it's uh, been found that approximately um, 39% of sea boundaries are yet to be agreed. And as we talked about, there's a lot of uh, issues about this in the, uh, for example, the South uh, China ocean and uh, even artificial islands being built to extend the nautical borders. But the thing that the pirates do that relates to this is that they use this very fraught relation between countries. So a group of pirates might commit a crime in the, within the nautical borders of one country. And when that happens, it is um, allowed for the coast guard to chase these people until they go into another country's borders. Because that would be, if you go driving into another country's borders heavily armed, then you can see why that causes an international incident. And this is especially pervasive in countries where the borders are fraught and relationships aren't all that well. So we once again see that this weird thing that it's the ocean, I'm not gonna get too philosophical about it, but it's not really something that we've figured out completely, but we are still very, very dependent on it. And in order to combat things like piracy, we need to cooperate and be able to do this international Actions to counter it, but you said something very funny about what the ocean can be.
3: Yeah, yeah. I was uh, when I was researching this topic, I was like thinking like for myself that actually the ocean like a metaphor for it is is, like is just a big toilet, (laughs) and and as funny as it sounds, like it's actually true because we all assume that our toilet's back at our home is always going to work. We're never going to have problems going to the toilet, but. Once that toilet stops working, we're really deep in the shit. And that is one crucial thing with the ocean is that uh, we actually need the ocean more than than the ocean needs us. So, like, the ocean is, uh, from an environmental aspect, like a good carbon sink, it gives us food, it gives us transportation. So there's a lot of aspects of it that is very important. So this is, like, the same parallel with the toilet because if we weren't to have a toilet, we would be really deep in the shits. So, I I I I really thought for myself like, yeah, that, that that's a really like maybe good aspect of how we should see the ocean. Um we shouldn't dump everything to the to the ocean as we do with the toilet. Yeah,
0: ain't that the truth. We'll be right back.
2: After those very philosophical words. Yeah.
3: Godfall, Godfall, Godfolk. Timbuktu
0: ni niti 98,9. volume. Hello, you just heard For My Friends by King Princess. Sorry for the abrupt intro. We were trying to figure out ocean based puns to start off this segment.
2: Let's see. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> well, uh speaking of the ocean, we um we thought a bit we talked a little bit about the break about uh, what what really is a nautical border and how does any f- of this work?
3: Yes, yeah, so so I, I found it really interesting that when you melker mentions about the pirates like, the ocean is, is almost like a separate planet. Like, we can't interact with it because it, it is hard to, when we get into another country's borders and then suddenly there's different rules. So it's not like when you live in a country, someone does something wrong, you go to court, you settle it. It's completely different. Like, it's almost like an alien planet where laws doesn't actually work anymore. So, so I feel like... When it comes to the cases like the Somali pirates or uh, like they, even those entities can target large countries like the U.S. or Russia or mm-hmm. China that in a regular circumstance, like if you were in a regular landmass, you couldn't do that. So it brings up a complete new topic uh, and, and problems also at the same time.
0: Yeah, because all of this, um, it's really important to own all this um, this territory, right? Because we see a lot of that in uh, the north as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so the fact that the ice is melting is making more ocean available, so to speak, and there's no borders established in the Arctic. So this has led to that, for example, if I don't misremember this, I think that, for example, Russia and Canada has like the same claims, and there's there's a lot of other countries as well. And this also brings up the question of who is supposed to own this land and how do we solve the problem, Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, but what I find interesting as well is that like oftentimes or like on on islands sometimes, you find like indigenous populations and they're always um, like, they were the first inhabitants on the islands and they're always the least well-treated and um, yeah.
3: I don't know. It, it feels like indigenous people are always like the ones who, who's going to lose the the, the the battle no matter what. And it's always the, like the losing game for them. Yeah, especially
0: when there's this uh, really important things like um, geopolitical access via the, mm-hmm. the sea straits. And um, it's possible that this will become a conflict. I listen to a lot of uh, engineering disaster podcasts, <laughs> as you do. Uh, and a lot of those cases are, okay, a submarine went down somewhere. And because of that, there's like five different countries just circling around where it might be, you know, military ships ramming into each other because apparently there aren't really a lot of laws in the sea, yeah. uh, and it's it's a real thing that might boil over. Um, and it's, um, I think we don't really have an option, do we? Though, if every country were to claim a separate part of the ocean, then uh, that wouldn't really work, would it? Like.
3: Like that reminds me a little bit. Like who decides what what kind of part of the ocean? Like it goes back to like the World War One when when like the Western countries it just split up Africa by their own land masses and then no one had to any say. Like like it becomes an interesting thing for the future when considering Arctic uh, ices are melting, landscapes are changing. Like who decides what border will contain to which country? And, like, who, who, who's, who's going to be the judge for that? So, so I think, like, for the future, the ocean is definitely going to be a rising topic.
0: Yeah, and we haven't really gotten into climate change yet. Um, but perhaps we'll have to do that after the break. So right. <laughs> we'll be right back.
2: Rising topic, rising sea levels. <laughs> oh,
0: good one. Bliss, that was Dizzy with the song Minstad. You are listening to Strändrauden 98.9. We are Radio UF. And regarding the oceans, we see a new pattern emerging, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. In my obsession for, um, not for the radio, but for (laughs) small Pacific um, island states, Hmm? what I found super interesting is that how, um, how those states are, you know, trying to exert agency and autonomy by portraying themselves as Leaders when it comes to sustainable ocean governance, and I, I don't know. I, I felt like it was a, a kind of a new kind of soft power, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's um, you. You use the tools you have, and with the ocean states, that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to listen to these small islands because if the sea. Is environmentally bad, or what I should say we will all kind of be we will all be affected by it, and these oceans no these islands are like they're trying to save their own lives, mm-hmm. so they're they they're probably knowing what they're speaking of, so I think that we should all listen to them and kind of recognize that they have this knowledge and yeah i
0: think the expression is a canary in the coal mine like they are the first the people that live and are very dependent on the sea will be the first to notice when it's going
3: definitely
0: wrong direction
2: and um, as we can see indonesia is planning on moving its old its whole like capital city um it's building a new capital city kind of from scratch because jakarta might be flooded within a couple of years Mm. so it's yeah
0: it's bad folks
3: yeah yeah but I've seen like the map of like what what could potentially happen in in, especially in Europe like how the landmass will change if like the sea level rises I don't remember exactly which percentage Mm -hmm. but it will be like oh yeah the Netherlands will be completely covered by water south of Sweden will be also covered in water Denmark would disappear so uh, it's a it's a very like critical aspect that we have to consider like very serious because uh, I mean countries will literally disappear from the map because of this issue so I think like it's a at the same time it's a very hard thing because you have to unite a lot of countries together to work together and that is usually on, a, on a, when you go up on a very big scale it becomes really hard to get everyone together
0: yeah because as we said it's kind of a no man's ocean or however you should put it because uh, if no one has direct ownership, then no one is really um, given the incentives yeah. and is responsible for making sure that everything works. And then we see these things where large countries pollute, and that really leads to uh, fishing populations disappearing. We see we see how that leads to um, people that used to live on fisheries they have to go to other ways to support themselves, leading to piracy, and uh, it's a vicious circle that. Uh, We can hope that we can break out of and uh, do our best, I
1: guess. Yeah, this is really not the most optimistic episode. (laughs) We we (laughs) don't
0: tend to be that.
2: But you know, like rising um, awareness is important.
0: Yes, it is.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we are all super pessimistic, but the one thing is like to be optimistic is the ocean is really beautiful. Like it's something that we all enjoy. I mean. Yeah. S- someone we out there should be able to
0: gain political capital just by that. Yeah, <laughs> I
3: mean, like, who 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 doesn't like surfing or go swimming and and like or go go to the beach just to chill out? So so I think like definitely. Truth. Yeah, the ocean is, is something that brings us a lot of positives.
0: That's right, and we'll be right back. Um, that was "Bubble" by Code Marara and uh, we are we are finishing off our discussion about oceans, and we have some more thoughts.
1: Yeah, uh, during the break, I was thinking about how we all have incentives to save the ocean, regardless of whether we just think that it is beautiful, or that we want fish, or just wants to save like the Earth in general.
0: Yeah, it's it's extremely important. It's such a big part of our lives, even if we don't see it every day, and um, regarding. This And if you want to see some a little bit more topics about the oceans, uh, check out Uttryck, recently reason we did this collab episode. It's uh, this print magazine by UF. If you are a member, you will be sent one by the mail. And it was sent to print today, right? Yes. Yes, so it will probably be out by early April, but no promises. Uh, we blame the post office if it doesn't work. And um, do we have anything that we'd like to add? Well, in that case, (laughs) after an hour of thinking, we finally came up with a C based pun. So, we'll see you all later. Lyssna på en podcast från Studentradion 98,9 Alla våra poddar och program Hittar du på studentradion.com Eller där poddar finns Kom ihåg
1: Att lyssna fritt är stort Att lyssna rätt är större